Welcome to the Offsite Podcast. I'm your host, DJ Nall, and I'm the Community Manager for Offense Security. On this episode, we have Drew Kirkpatrick, a.k.a. Hudor, who is a Senior Security Consultant at TrustedSec. Originally, he was a Senior Computer Scientist at the U.S. Navy, but decided to focus on transitioning to the information security field. At this time, I would like to welcome our guest speaker, Drew. Drew, it's great to have you here. Thank you for coming on to the Offsite Podcast. Thanks, TJ. It's great, great to be here. Awesome. So what piqued your interest in joining the information security field? Sure. So this is kind of my second career. Um, of course, as a lot of folks, uh, I maybe got into some shenanigans when I was a kid, but we won't go into that. Um, so it's always been something I was interested in, you know, growing up. And uh, I spent the first half of my career working for the Navy doing kind of a really obscure research. Uh, it wasn't a very portable job. Um, I could do it in like three places in the country. And uh, my wife, when she finished her PhD, uh, had to start moving us around for postdoctoral positions. Uh, she also works in a very obscure uh, research field. And, and I had, you know, a master's in computer science and other degrees. And so I just had a more portable set of skills uh, career-wise. So I, I shifted into information, you know, security, uh, started off in a, in a research and development house uh, uh, so that was a transition out of aerospace research, which I was doing before for the Navy and came over to this, this defense contractor was doing research in, in um, cybersecurity and kind of, that's how I got into it, did that for a couple of years, but it was really more of a, a managerial role. I wasn't coding really anymore. I was more managing projects and people and uh, I was good at that. And the company was amazing and all my colleagues are incredible. I just wasn't happy, um, you know, getting away from the technical work as, as I gave it a couple of years, I really tried. Um, and I just wasn't my happy place for my brain. Um, so I went in, you know, got my OSDP, uh, got my GWAP and, uh, eventually, uh, transitioned over to pen testing full time. And I've been doing that. Uh, and I was in my forties when I got my first full-time pen testing job and I'm old. And, uh, so you can definitely make these transitions, you know, later in life. And, uh, mm-hmm. I completely, couldn't be happier with with what I do now. It's it's just wonderful to to spend my time, you know, doing technical work, um, you know, almost all all of the week. And then, you know, of course, there is the reporting part. It's always part of consulting and working <laughs> with the clients. But the clients are great. You know, it's yeah. it's really wonderful to, to get a chance to work with them, especially the dev teams, since I do applications primarily. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a really it's really rewarding and it's a very entertaining for the brain. So. That's really awesome to hear, Drew. So I have a question I want to ask you on relating to the stuff that you did in your background. Um, Do you think a lot of the stuff that you learned, you know, getting your master's in comp sci, right? And then, you know, doing some of the stuff that you worked on in the Navy, do you feel like a lot of the stuff that you learned has helped you into your career now still to this day? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I I was a professional coder for 15 years. So Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I'm seeing the other side, the product of developers. And while I professionally was never a web app developer, I was a you know, crusty old graybeard C, C++ Unix coder. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of understand that mindset. So when you start seeing bugs in a web app, you kind of have an idea of what the developer might've been thinking, mm-hmm. or you see variations, you know, okay, someone else did this part of the application. You see a, a, a pretty distinct break in how things are being handled. And, and you, you know, it, it, it draws your eye to it. So I, I think mm-hmm. it, you know, I, I think coming into the pen testing, 
there's a lot of great previous backgrounds you can have. You know, developer is one of those that's going to really help you if you're going to go after applications. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly IT stuff is really going to help you if you're going to go after networks and, and, and active directory stuff. So I, I think it just puts you in the right mindset. You know, you, you kind of know what they were thinking and know the kind of mistakes they might make. So I think it is very, very helpful. I think it's very great advice. So uh, in your line of work, what do you believe is one of the most important qualities that a pen tester or a web app pen tester should have? Well, as a consultant, uh, and that's obviously what I do, I think probably the most important thing if you're going to be really successful is time management. Uh, mm-hmm. If you're going to be a, 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 you know, a good you know, consultant that the company is going to feel comfortable letting you loose on an engagement, you have to be able to handle it. You know, the time management of, you know, deliverables when they're due, scheduling calls with a client, uh, and just being able to handle the day in, day out of getting crap done, right? Like that's on you. Um, If you can't do that by yourself, you're probably going to be pretty limited in how far up you're going to go. You you just really have to be responsible for managing a project. I mean, it's, it's pretty low bar. You know, pen testing is not a really complicated project to manage. It's usually you or maybe just a handful of pen testers, but you have to be able to do that, in my opinion. Um, I, the two other main skills are you have to be good at communicating. You have to, your writing skills are very important. Um, and so is communicating, being able to talk to the client. Mm-hmm. Um, I think probably of those two, Writing is probably the most important because, I mean, at the end of the day, that report is going to be your deliverable. That's what the right. client's going to take away. Um, and of course, the third is the technical skills. You have to be a hacker, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not common skills, but honestly, of the three of those, teaching the technical skills is probably easier um, than teaching someone to be a good, good at managing time or you know, working on their writing. Um, I, I think you need really all three of them to be really successful as a consultant um, or certainly, you know, have a pretty good handle on all of those. But I think uh, finding the first two is, is almost harder than finding the technical skills. So. Right. You have to have 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 a balance with all three of those really together. Otherwise, you know, I mean, they're with other people in your team, right. Um, The way I look at it is, you know, one person can have a really strong skill at writing and then, you know, you have one other person as strong as a technical person. Right. But if you don't have that communication part together, you know, you're not going to provide enough value to the client in the end, you know, who's going to be reading that report, seeing the recommendations that need to be fixed onto it. Um, But trying to have all three of those together combined, I think that's a really great thing to put together that you provide better value, you know, to that client, right, to see that report and also to understand what technical aspects are they looking at? uh, What do you have together? Yeah. Uh, interesting point is, is I, uh, I've been working for trust sec a little over two years now. Mm-hmm. And I, I was talking to Scott White as my team lead. I was like, so why, why me? You know, what, what, why did you hire me? There was like 400 something applicants. Mm-hmm. And the answer was I had the best report. I didn't have the best. I didn't get all the hacks. I didn't catch all the bugs, you know, but I had the best report. And that's why they, I, I got the job over all the other folks. So really it is very important. So, yeah. And it's no, something I, I don't think everyone's so focused on the technical skills. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think there's a lot of uh, drive in the industry to get folks good at the communication part, the time mm-hmm. management part. So I think that's something where we're, we're kind of falling flat on bringing up the next generation. Although, that is really more important on the consulting side. If you're going to go internal team, I think 
you're probably much more likely to have a heavier focus on technical skills, Mm -hmm. right? I think you're going to be able to get away with a lot less ability for communicating and writing because of your, it's your team. They're going to be used to you. You're going to be in there. You have time to kind of, you know, get your findings exposed and talk to folks. So Mm -hmm. um, when you have such a limited time frame with a client as a consultant, I think those things are just much more important. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Those are really good points. Um, so since you specialize in web app pen testing, you know, what are some, what are some common misconfigurations do you find when you are assessing, you know, web applications for clients? Yeah. So, you know, some things have gotten a lot better. We see a lot less SQL injection, a lot of just slam dunks like code execution, you know, uh, we see way less these days, although it still happens. We still see a lot of cross-site scripting. Uh, I'm a little surprised. I, I know it's really hard to get rid of, but it's like the bug that just never goes away. We find it all over the place still. Um, and it's one of my favorite bugs because for some reason I like writing JavaScript. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always love doing a weaponized payload on my, on my uh, pen test to, to show some devastating impact. And you can do, you can do some pretty, pretty nasty attacks with the cross-site scripting vulnerability. Um, God, we see a, just tons and tons of missing authorization checks mm-hmm. uh, all the time. I, almost like every other engagement, you know, Here's an account number. I can just start intrudering across, you know, different account numbers and hoovering down data. Um, just tons of that. Um, that that's hard to do because you know that's some developer is going to miss something somewhere. They forget to check. Uh, but we see a lot of missing authorization checks, and they're usually super easy to find. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the first couple of days I'm doing a pen test, I'm not really looking at my list of things. I'm kind of just, you know playing it by the seat of my pants. I'm just kind of poking around the app every couple of steps in the app. I'm looking at proxy, just seeing all the requests. And usually right away, you'll see like uh, some account ID or some identifier and and you start fiddling with it and you find that, yeah, I can just start manipulating, you know, identifiers and pulling other data. Uh, It Mm -hmm. usually jumps out of you within, you know, a couple of hours of just poking at it. So it's, it's kind of frustrating that that's consistently uh, done poorly. Um, and, you know, JavaScript libraries, I, I know this is never a super serious thing. It's very, very, very rare that, like, the application is using the vulnerable feature of the library. But, man, I have seen applications where there was, like, a dozen different versions of jQuery. Like, every developer just, like, randomly includes jQuery. There's no control over it. No one's tracking it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of frustrating because um, I hate documenting that because yeah. <laughs> it's, like, 28 versions of jQuery, and it's, like, come on. <laughs> um, it's not even that serious. You're not even using the vulnerable feature, but I, you need to do something about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do wish there was there was more effort on the software security teams to track that. And it's almost like your assets, um, you know, in a network. These these are your assets that are the component pieces of your application. You should really have a better idea of what's in there and some procedures in place, right? You shouldn't let your junior developers just willy-nilly include a new JavaScript library without checking, do we already have this somewhere? Is someone you know, tracking this for you know, versions and vulnerabilities and things like that? So I, that's something that most applications are, could be doing better in my opinion, so. Yeah, no, I could see that. Um, and as we see, right, you know, web developers are, every, every web developer I look at is always unique, right? Because they always write something different. They're always using some different version of you know, the software application or, you know, type of programming language, right? You know, that just works for them. 
And mm -hmm. when you have so many developers, right, writing so many different web apps that are out there with different versions of either programming language you're using or software or web app uh, style that they're using as well too, it can really just become a huge mess. And it just can get complicated in the end where for us as pen testers, right, looking at that stuff and trying to document all of that is just a pain. It's just it very tedious work. <laughs> it is, it is. But I, I understand it because I've, you know, I've been on the internal dev team before and I know what mm -hmm. that, 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 that drumbeat of, of, you know, the backlog is, you know, we've got a mm -hmm. sprint, we've got to get X many features done and, you know, here's our bugs we got to resolve and here's the security issues. And, you know, they're going to tilt heavily towards functionality. It's just going to, mm -hmm. that's, that's the drive. So it, it is really tough to kind of get security in place in that process because the, mm -hmm. the pressure to deliver functionality is, is really high on a lot of dev teams and it's, it, it can be a real challenge. So, yeah. so out of curiosity, when you're analyzing web apps, are you mostly looking at web apps from like an external point or are you looking at web apps from like an internal point? Like they give you access to the web app, you get to review the source code. Um, do you see a benefit between one or the other or is there like, do you have like a go-to for which one you rather prefer? Um, Honestly, so we, we do sometimes get source code. Um, yeah. I prefer a, just a traditional gray box, like mm -hmm. com completely external, uh, give me creds. I, I think that's kind of the best bang for your buck. Like I think for the amount of money they spend, the amount of time it takes, I think they get the best results, return on investment mm -hmm. with, with just that assessment. We definitely find more when we have the source code. Uh, but it, it can be extremely time consuming, uh, you know, going through the source code. Obviously, we'll use automated tools, but at the end of the day, you're going to be hoofing lines of code. Gotcha. Um, it's it's not as fun as the dynamic testing. Right. Um, but if, if a client is willing to, you know, obviously that more trust that they're giving up their source code mm -hmm. um, temporarily for us to analyze, um, you certainly can get a lot more out of that. And it is it is nice to be able to say, okay, here is the finding dynamic finding. Here is the line of code that you messed up. Here's how you could fix it. Like that is a great rounding out of the recommendation section of how you remediate this. Right. Mm -hmm. um, instead of hinting, like, well, you would probably do it this way, but it depends on how you're doing it. Sometimes it feels nice to, to tie it all together down to the line of code. Mm -hmm. um, but honestly, I think you get a lot more, accomplished faster with just an external test so gotcha that's some interesting points there um so what are your main tools that you like to use for web app pen testing well uh, unlike network people we don't have lots of fun crazy tools it's really mm -hmm. just burp burp and a pro and you know some browsers mm -hmm. um occasional python script you know I, I do a lot of you know go buster and fuff uh mm -hmm. brute force uh guessing but um Honestly, you know, we come into a lot of plugins that we use in Burp. Um, Autorize is one I use pretty heavily, which is great for, you know, making sure you can like pretty, pretty broad coverage of you know, authorization bugs. Um, see if you're able to access things that you shouldn't be able to as different users. That's a great plugin because you can, so I'll log in as one user, but I'll save cookies from another user and it'll just repeat your requests with, um, without the cookies and with the other set of cookies as you surf the site. So you can get a nice, nice chart to see uh, areas where there might be authorization bugs where, you know, they're missing a check. Oh, that's um, really nice. It's, it's a really great tool. I use that a lot. So, mm. but yeah, just a bunch of plugins. And I, we were talking that um, before we started recording that we, yeah. we have 
had some complaints uh, to Port Swigger about the uh, quality of burp changes lately. Um, I've been a, a vocal pest on Twitter, giving them some grief about some of their usability changes. Um, still, still fingers crossed that some of those changes are going to make their way back out, uh, such as getting rid of the inspector or give us back our params view. But I'll just I'll, I'll stop there. So. Yeah, no, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have any like interesting stories or um, like you know when you're on a pen te- you run a pen test recently and you're like why the heck is this there or, you know <laughs> if you got caught. Uh, that you were recently on, can you be able to share like a story that you've had? Yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, some of our f- on the web apps, obviously, it's very different from uh, network test. We don't pop a lot of shells, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it happens, but it's not as frequent. But we do. We find fun find fun in like tying things together, right? So like yeah. a lot of times you'll find a couple little stupid bugs, but when you bring them together, you can do something really devastating. So one of the recent ones was. Um, it was a multi-tenant application, right? So there was, you know, the the company had, uh, you know, their customers would come in and we'd get a, a, a couple of different user roles and then other clients would be their own tenancy in the same application. And then of course, our client had a super admin account over all of it, see everything. Oh God. So, you know, pretty common in yeah. enterprise, you know, software where you have multi-tenancies like that. So mm-hmm. the first bug was a simple developer mistake you know, efficiency encoding. Um, they needed to display some information uh, about the, the logged in user. If you mm-hmm. look at the back end, the JSON blob that came back was a, really, it was all the data, all the user accounts uh, across all tenants and their user role, right? Now, not a lot of sensitive information, but you got usernames and roles, right? And you could see other tenants. That's not a great look, but that's great helpful information because then later we found stored cross-site scripting vulnerability, right? Mm. In this feature where I could write out this thing and share it to other users and my tenants and they would get a notification. And when they click on the notification, the JavaScript would start running and then I can start making requests of that user. So mm. we were right away able to send it to the admin in that tenancy and then promote ourselves up to an admin within that tenancy. Mm-hmm. So the next bug was that when you shared that, that feature, you know, where you're sending the thing to another user, um, you get the address list of all the people in your tenant, you know, but it turns out if you actually know the username of someone outside of your tenancy, you could still send it. Um, so, you know, the, the address book was correct. It only showed their tenants users, yeah. but if you happen to know the username, it wasn't checking to, to see if you were authorized to send it. Mm-hmm. So because the previous information disclosure, we knew all the usernames. So we can actually send it to a super admin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when they clicked on the notification, our JavaScript was now running with their session. And we were able to promote ourselves to super admin. And then you had access to everything. So that was that's kind of fun. And those are just kind of a couple of dumb little bugs. But when you bring them together, pretty big impact. So that's, that's, like, that's, a, that's like a giant attack chain right there that you just yeah. put together with everything. Sure. Yeah. Um, what was another fun one? Um, so this is, this is really dumb. This is actually an enterprise software that I'm not going to mention the name of because I don't know if it's mm-hmm. fixed, but uh, changing your password. It didn't ask for your current password. So that, that's, not, that's not a great sign, right? Enter new mm-hmm. password, but it didn't ask you your current passwords. That's not great. But it also turned 
out that that request, that post request, the cross-site request forgery token wasn't checked. Oh, no. So now I can make that post request from any third-party site, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to be able to change the password of whoever, whatever logged-in user I pull over to my site. And the icing on the cake was that you could convert that post request to a get request, and all you had to do was get in with the quick link. (laughs) So you would get a you could get a new request every time for any different user you wanted with that application. Then, so if I if I got a user logged in user to click this link or visit this malicious yep. third party site, I've just changed their password to something I control. That's just dumb. I mean, you know, it's but it's just you know you see these dumb little things and you put them together, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you can do something something bad with it. So if I ever see you know password changes where they're not checking what the current password is, the first thing I'm going to ch- screw with is the cross-site request forgery token to see if they're enforcing it. Um, so I, 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 I often see that they're not checking that. I, I think a lot of developers, they're either using the library incorrectly or they don't understand the reason for that. Like I've actually seen developers randomly generating a CSR RF token in JavaScript. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm sending a token. I was like, but the server doesn't know what it is. You're generating it on the client. The server has no idea what you're sending. Like you can't check that. Mm-hmm. So they don't understand what, what it's trying to accomplish, what the actual security control is. Um, but you know, the absolute, this one's a couple of years ago, the absolute worst I ever saw was a huge production system. And the first thing we noticed is once you log in and you get your session, Literally none of the other functionality actually checked for the session. The -hmm. entire application was unauthenticated. So that's a bad look. Um, And it was publicly exposed and it had tons of really sensitive data in it. Mm -hmm. Um, Just just gobs and gobs. And following on from that bug, I was, you know, where do you go from there when the entire application is unauthenticated? Um, But I was looking at, again, the password (laughs) change uh, mechanism. And I was looking at it, it did ask for the current password. Excellent. But I'm looking at the, the code, the JavaScript, and it's comparing the entered password to a variable in JavaScript. Oh, no. And I'm like, well, <laughs> hold on a second. How would the client's JavaScript know what your current password is? And we've already established that the entire application is essentially unauthenticated. It's not yep. checking sessions. So it doesn't even know who you are. So I start tracking that variable and like, what, what is going on here? And I found an API call that took one parameter, username, and it returned the clear text password. Oh my God. <laughs> and that API call was also completely unauthenticated. So, I mean, just that right there is a whole report's worth of findings. I mean, they're storing yep. the, the passwords, clear text. They've got unauthenticated everything. They're doing client-side checking of passwords. I mean, just the whole thing was just yeah, the, the biggest dumpster fire I've ever seen. Yeah, the network communication wasn't even encrypted at all or even being passed through encrypted to the API either. So, just, that's, just, just, just wild. Just that's completely insane. wild. But, uh, uh, and I, I, I left that company before I saw how they how they even resolved to fix it because it was an app they couldn't take down. It was mission critical. They had 10,000 plus external users. They couldn't just throw it behind VPN. I, I have 
to this day, I have no idea what they did to resolve it. <laughs> so. I don't even want to know. Just, just, just hearing that story just makes me. Uh, it just feels weird. <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, hopefully they've got a lot of training to do with their dev team. It 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 felt like a dev team that had basically lost all their back end devs, and all they mm-hmm. had left was front end JavaScript devs. Like that's that's what it felt like. Ooh. So no, no one to support the back end of it or even the servers that were going ahead and hosting <laughs> the application itself. But you had the front end guys that were just doing all development externally with no problem. But then even if you did, like the security impl- the security that they implemented in the code still wouldn't have passed through the API anyway, since everything was going through authenticated. Yeah. Oh man, that's a that's a mess right there. So I mean, <laughs> we we see lots of on a most of our clients are really quite mature. Um yeah. My previous company, we pretty much only did banks, mm-hmm. so they were they were very secure. We see I get a little bit more variety at TrustedSec, uh, which is nice. So I, I do see you know, really really secure, very mature clients, and I do see sometimes a complete dumpster fire, which which mm-hmm. nice is nice to mix it up as a pen tester. Sometimes right. you, you you like to throw a couple of punches and score some some serious hits, mm-hmm. um, but it's also really refreshing to work with mature client and see how they're doing things well. That's really um, good to hear. And to give them give them credit for that. You know, like mm-hmm. clearly they've spent a lot of money and effort and sweat to get to that point. Uh, oh yeah. Everyone in security knows how how much of a challenge it is and a slow grind to mature security programs. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes it's it's nice to give clients a head pat for you've done very well, you know. Yeah, I, that's I couldn't agree more with that. So but the dumpster fires are a lot of fun too. Mm-hmm. So so with the amount of experience you've had, you know, being a web app pen tester, getting into the, you know, infosec field itself, uh, what advice would you have for a person that want to become a pen tester and wants to get started? What would that be? Well, I know the young folks probably don't want to hear this, but it's really hard to recommend pen testing as your first job. Yeah. Um, and they're like, oh, well, the old people saying that. Well, you're right. We are old and we came into it a very weird way. I mean, obviously, I'm not as old as TJ or I'm older than TJ, but, um, you know, we came in into it through different means with as basically second, third jobs. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that prior experience has really set us up. Well, you know, for me, I was a developer. I think that's a great background, uh, to be a web app pen tester. Um, you know, SOC analysts, especially it folks mm-hmm. really, really make great network pen testers. Um, so, you know, social engineering, people who are, you know, actors and, you know, things along those lines. There's all sorts of different ways you can be a hacker mm-hmm. and a lot of different skill sets and a lot of other jobs you can do first that's going to give you those skills. Um, but also, I think having a quote unquote real job outside of pen testing, I think gives you a better appreciation of for how the company is supposed to work, right? Like how a business is supposed to work. Because at the end of the day, your clients, aren't going to be able to drop everything and fix the security bugs. The security isn't their job. Like this mm-hmm. is not what their main goal as a business is, right? This is some extra thing they don't want to deal with. It's kind of unfair that they have to deal with it, but it's a necessity of the modern world, but it isn't their business. It's not mm-hmm. their highest priority. And I think if you work in business and other roles, I think you have a more realistic outlook on what the day in day out operations of a business is. And you can better appreciate why your client might be pushing back on something because mm-hmm. 
it's going to have some real impact on their actual business processes that's keeping the lights on. So, you know, beyond just the skills, I think it gives you a better appreciation for, you know, the impact of vulnerabilities and the changes, what it might make for the business. So um, it, it is hard to just go straight into pen testing. I think people are doing it now. I think there are ways. I just, I think it's really hard to find those jobs. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. very easy as someone more senior where they can throw you into it and they know you're going to hit the ground running and you're not going to need handholding you'll be able to find a job all day long, right? Mm-hmm. Coming in as, you know, first job as a pen tester, it's going to be harder to find an organization that's going to be able to take you on and train yeah. you up. So I know that's something um, Dave Kennedy has been really interested in doing. We've, we've had interns at Trusted Tech, mm-hmm. um, kind of piecemeal, you know, ad hoc. I think we've hired every single one of them and every one of them has been incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, but Kelsey Seeger is on our team. She was an intern. She's, just killing it. I mean, mm-hmm. she, I think she was just getting RCE just like this week on some web apps. So like, <laughs> That's she's, awesome. Yeah. So, so it's worked out really, really well for us, you know, bringing in interns and then hiring them on. So I know uh, we've started up a, a new program where we're hiring in juniors and they're just going through gobs of training with the intention of then promoting them up. And, mm-hmm. uh, but that's, I think that's a rarity right now in the field. And I think we hopefully we'll see more of that. Um, I know we're also, we just hired in a, a web developer who is interested in security, but no background in pen testing mm-hmm. brought him on the team. Um, and clearly he's going to be incredible because he, he was an amazing web developer. He knows he's already running circles around us on the coding side. So um, there's a lot of ways to get in. Um, but uh, if, if, if you really, really want to try to break into it, I think one of the better ways, and I kind of did this myself, is do it as on an internal team. So I started pen testing more and more as a side responsibility to an existing job. And then that's mm-hmm. kind of where I knew that I was hooked and I needed to do this full time. And I went on to consulting from there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it might be easier to position yourself where you can start doing a little bit as part of your current job. And that, that might be a great way of breaking in that certainly helped me break in. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it can be really tough to get in there, but you know, sock jobs, it jobs, coding, great, great first way jobs and then move into pen testing. And, and those are just great careers overall. I think you're just going to build up very flexible skills that are, help keep you employed. So I, yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. I think um, at least getting started in IT or a system administrative job and then moving more maybe into the blue team, like being a SOC analyst or instant responder will help definitely build your experience and your skills, you know, for people who want to become a pen tester to start, right? At least have those skills already in the front end, the experience of what they've seen first before they even start, you know, jump straight in to become a pen tester. Yeah. So, and I, I, I totally agree with that. One thing that helped me was... Um, my first pen testing job, I went to a really, really small place mm-hmm. um, where I basically had to do everything, internal network stuff. Um, I was really terrible at active directory stuff, AD. Mm-hmm. Like I'd be domain admin. I was like, how did I do that? Like, what, yeah. what? I don't, I, I'm domain admin. I don't know what I did. Yeah. Um, so I'm really bad at the window stuff, but I got to do it all, right? I got to do the phishing, just taste of everything. Yeah. Now, trusted sec, we specialize because we have a lot more people and they want you to get really good at something. But mm-hmm. 
for one thing, I was able to get the job, right? That was my, my break into full-time pen testing, but it also let me kind of try out everything, see what mm -hmm. I'm good at, see what I really like, see what I need to work on. Um, I think that was very, very helpful to me. Um, and I appreciate the opportunity they gave me. And then, you know, from there I moved on to trusted sec where I, you know, kind of found the area that I really like and I'm really good at, and I can focus on that, really which has good. been really, really great uh, to be awesome. able to just heads down be, this is, this is my area of expertise and I'm going to get really good at this. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's been really refreshing because you can dive a lot deeper when you're not spreading yourself too thin. Oh yeah. No, I couldn't agree more with that as well. So outside of InfoSec, are there any hobbies or things you like to do? Well, I have kids and that is uh, uh, quite time consuming. And, you know, being a parent is uh, always a challenge. And in uh, the days of COVID, it is especially challenging. Mm -hmm. uh, fingers crossed school stays in person uh, this year. We'll see how that goes. Um, uh, homeschooling kids is, is kind of, my kids are young, so that's particularly troublesome. Mm -hmm. um, but we'll see how that goes. But, you know, we, my wife is a biologist, marine biologist. So we always live at the beach, always have. Um, we're at a great beach now that's warm. So we get a lot of outdoor time. Uh, the mm -hmm. kids love to go down at low tide with the tide pools and, you know, catch scallops and shrimp and fish and stuff and just. Oh, that's really and, cool. And um, I do a lot of skateboarding. So mm -hmm. I go uh, longboarding. I don't do tricks. I'm too old and too large for that. But um, you know, I ride a couple miles every day. Um, uh, so that's a lot of fun. Get my exercise in and uh, it's a lot easier than surfing in my opinion. I still mm -hmm. suck at surfing, but I get my, get my skating in every morning. So that's pretty much it, you know, like between work and family and that, that just really eats up every possible hour of the day. I, uh, I do like to, um, you know, once or twice a year, I'll get like some stupid idea in my head and I got to spend a month or two at night, just coding away on something. Um, you know, exercise that coding coding bug in your brain and i haven't really done that this year i've had a lot of stuff going on uh, with moving and, and what such but i do enjoy that you know every now and then you'll get a, some idea and you kind of chase it down and throw something something up on github and maybe get a blog post out of it so mm -hmm. um, but i don't know what it's going to be this year i haven't found the time yet but so something's going to get coded this year i just don't know what it is yet <laughs> yeah I can understand that. It's good that you're staying active and trying to get outside. I mean, I know COVID has been a huge impact on all of us, you know, and especially personally for you as well, too, with your family and kids. But um, it's good that you're finding ways to get out and stay safe as well with everything that's going on. And plus, we always need a little bit of a mental break, you know, when we're on the computer for such long doing so many different yeah. projects and, you know, we're, we're so focused into it where we don't get out sometimes, you know, and yep. I think it's something big that we have to continue to encourage and also to check on people's, you know, mental health and wellness as well. Yeah. And it's really, it's been really hard. As you're saying, not going to conferences because yeah. I've been, I've been fully remote probably half of my career now, you know, probably 10 years of my career. And uh, I really, really relish conferences. It's my time to really reconnect with people face to face. And I've really missed that. So uh, fingers crossed we get some, some good in-person conferences soon. Um, but we'll just, we'll just wait till that's safe. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, no, I couldn't <laughs> agree more. I'm, I'm missing the days of going to conferences like DEF CON, Wild West Hacking Fest, uh, even the local B-size chapters that are around me here, you know, one once the doors start opening up, hopefully, you know, going back on site, getting to reconnect with everybody is going to be a huge fun blast. So, but only time yep. will tell, right? I mean, I, I hate to admit this, but I 
truly loathe giving a talk virtually. I feel like I'm talking to the wall. Mm-hmm. Like if you can't see everyone's face and kind of read the crowd, it just, it's, it's deflating. It's like giving a webinar. It's just not as fun, you know? Yeah. And I, I know my marketing department doesn't want to hear me say that. But <laughs> webinar, webinars are like talking to a brick wall, man. You know, it's, you know, getting questions in chat isn't quite the same thing. No, it's, so, it's not the same. It, it's the not. feeling and the vibes of being, you know, on site in a conference in person to be able to speak to how many people are in, your, in the audience, you know, and then getting to connect with them afterwards is such a good, good true feeling, you know, that you can have where that person you connect with could have something that leads into a project or something you do afterwards that makes an impact, not just on you, but even them, you know, themselves. So hopefully we get back to it soon. No, I couldn't agree more. Well, Drew, I really do want to thank you. And I also appreciate you taking the time to be here, sharing some stories that you have and also giving us some of your tips and advice too, experience, you know, of how you, you know, became a pen tester, started out in this field and, you know, enjoying it to where you are now, especially at your age as well. <laughs> <laughs> Old people can have fun too, man. So uh, as I say, age doesn't matter. Anybody can get into cyber, really. Any, whatever you do, as long as you have the drive, right? That's Absolutely. what matters in the end. So it, it is a lot of fun. So I, I know a lot of people are like, Oh, I want to be a pen tester. We're like, well, you know, there's a lot of jobs, we need blue teamers. We need this. We need that. But at the end of the day, pen testing is pretty fun. <laughs> I, I couldn't agree more. Well, thank you again for being on the show. And uh, to our listeners, thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it and were able to gain some value from it. Be sure to check out Offense Security's website for more information on these topics, courses, and also future episodes by going to offensive-security.com.